Hey guys, so before we get into this episode, I want to give a little brief warning. So, for some reason, the audio quality of this episode just got super wonky. There's this weird static around my voice. I don't know what happened. I don't know what I did. I don't know what glitched out. I don't know what went wrong. Uh, but it's just kind of there. My choice was either re-record the entire episode or just put it out with a warning. Clearly, you know what <laughs> option I went with. Uh, but just be aware, audio quality is not the best this time around. I will try to keep this from happening in the future. Apologies. Thank you for understanding. Enjoy. Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive, the show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Fringe. Today we will be discussing Season 2, Episode 19, titled Brown Betty. God, words cannot describe how much I love this episode. (laughs) This episode, this freaking episode is a thing of beauty. (laughs) This episode is amazing. (laughs) And I love it so much. So, this kicked off. What is referred to as the episode 19 tradition in Fringe, where from this point on, the 19th episode of every single season, uh, as well as the 9th episode of season 5, because that was only 13 episodes, so obviously they couldn't go up to 19, so they're just like, eh, 9's close enough. Uh, The 19th episode of every season, they just go weird as hell. (laughs) Like, they just do whatever the hell they want, they go nuts, they go completely insane, and more often than not, hell, every single time, it ends up being goddamn glorious. (laughs) And, man, do they start off with something special? Man, do they start that tradition off right with this... Insane madness where Walter Bishop, while grieving the loss of his relationship with Peter, is telling Ella a hard-boiled detective fantasy musical story (laughs) while high on a drug that he made himself called Brown Betty. (laughs) And the episode is every bit as absurd as that description would suggest. <laughs> it's so good. It, it's so good. Like, they they make it very clear right off the bat that this is just insane. They make it very clear right off the bat that this is just madness. This is just going nuts. They're just doing whatever the hell they want. <laughs> And watching this story unfold is beautiful. Uh, I love how they play around 
with that world and those characters to make it fit this fantasy hard-boiled detective thing. I love that Olivia's a PI motivated by a search for true love. <laughs> Broyles is a corrupt lieutenant. Nina is actually pretty much still Nina. <laughs> <laughs> Nina doesn't change all that much. She's just Nina Sharp. But in a hard-boiled detective universe. <laughs> uh, Brandon Fade is, like, working at the patent office. <laughs> Astrid is named Esther Figglesworth. <laughs> the observers are the watchers and are, like, lapdogs to Nina and eventually start working for Walter at some point because reasons who who knows who cares like just uh the William Bell in an alternate universe comes into play in a really strange way everyone's looking for this magical glass heart that somehow keeps both Peter and Walter alive but also rips holes in universes somehow. Like, just... It's so dumb. It's so insane. But I love it. (laughs) It's madness. But it's the type of madness you would absolutely expect Walter, while high on a custom drug called Brown Betty, to come up with when creating a story for a little girl that... He has somehow now become in charge of because reasons. (laughs) Technically, Astrid's in charge of her, but Walter immediately steals her away with this story. By the way, I love the reaction when Walter turns to Astrid as, uh, as as he's naming Olivia's assistant and just says to Astrid... Esther Figglesworth. And Astrid just drops what she's doing and just looks at Walter like, Come on, man. (laughs) Esther Figglesworth? Really? Is that really what we're doing here? You can't even get my name right in your fictionalized story? Seriously? (laughs) I love it. I love it so much. Oh, God. Also, uh, worth noting that Olivia and Peter get together in Walter's hardball detective musical fantasy story that he's telling a child before they get together in real life. They got together in Walter's head first. They got together in Walter's drug trip first. <laughs> oh, that's somehow the funniest bit. To me, like I, I, I love that so much. Also, I genuinely love how this is a hardball detective story, clearly meant to be in forties, like sets, costumes, which, by the way, is so well done. Like production design wise, they nailed this in pretty much every possible way. I love how they have this entire hardball detective setup, this whole aesthetic of like 40s or something. 
But they also use mobile phones because Walter's high as shit and can't remember that he's doing a hard-boiled detective story set in olden times when mobile phones didn't exist. (laughs) So he just puts in mobile phones because he's high. (laughs) Pretty much any... Pretty much every logical inconsistency you can come up with in this episode is literally chalked up to, yeah, he's high. (laughs) He's super high. So this is like, this is critic proof. This is really a critic proof episode. (laughs) Because it's literally a story told by Walter Bishop, the least reliable narrator of all time, while he is high. (laughs) Oh, it's beautiful. Oh my god. How would this episode be if you were on drugs? Man, if marijuana, if recreational marijuana ever becomes legal in New York, I'm going to get high as shit and watch this episode. (laughs) A thousand percent. Because I feel like that would be a journey. (laughs) I have a feeling that would be an absolute journey. Also, I haven't said anything about the songs. The times when they break into song are just... So strange. (laughs) They're just so weird. And I love them. (laughs) That moment when Walter, as Rachel is singing Head Over Heels, and just both Astrid and Ella are looking at him like, What? (laughs) What are you doing? What is this? Walter finishes, and Astrid, referencing how Walter said earlier that schoolboys used to beat him up, is just like, what those schoolboys must have done to you. Which is the greatest burn of all time, by the way. God, I love Astrid. Uh, (laughs) Uh, Esther Figglesworth singing about how she needs this job at a mental institution. Like, all the songs are great. The singing corpses. The singing freaking corpses. <laughs> singing Candyman. It's so random, but absolutely the type of thing Walter would come up with. I also love how Walter in this story, like, invents bubblegum and flannel pajamas. Just all this random, trivial stuff. But it brings happiness to the world. <clears throat> mm. Had a little bit of something in my throat. I swear it's not COVID. Uh, at least I don't think. And also, like, I'm laughing about how insane and absurd this whole world is, but gonna be honest, this is actually a pretty engaging story. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> like, you get into this narrative, and all the twists and turns come up. You get, like, Olivia hired by Rachel, who was actually an actress, hired by Walter, uh, to get Peter back, who was, uh, supposed to be, like, her true love, but really it was Walter, like, needing his glass heart back, and also the Watchers are there, and also Massive Dynamic wants this heart, and, uh, Olivia and Peter meet, and they fall in love, and you get the twist of, like, Walter being the actual bad guy the whole time, and it's just like... It's a really fun story. Like, it's a really good story that I genuinely enjoy. 
It's a genuinely engaging narrative. Like, I laugh about how stupid it is, and believe me, it is stupid, as it's supposed to be. Again, this is Walter Bishop telling a hardball detective fantasy musical story to a child while high. So, <laughs> it is meant to be dumb, but it's also, like, genuinely fun to watch. It's also a genuinely engaging narrative, and it's it's really good. It, it does not... It does not get old at all throughout the episode. In fact, quite honestly... I wouldn't say no to an entire spinoff of just this. Oh my god, how great of a troll would it be if <laughs> if they said, if they announced tomorrow that they would be doing a Fringe Revival series, but it would only take place in the Brown Betty universe, how amazing would that troll be? And they just made like a 10 episode miniseries exclusively within the Brown Betty universe. That would be great. That would be amazing. That'd be the best thing ever of all time. I would love everything about that. I would watch the shit out of that. But also, like, there's so many layers to this episode because this is Walter directly after the trauma of Peter leaving him and Peter uh, chewing him out after finding out he was from the other side and, like, doing the whole I am not your son moment Like, this is Walter immediately following that, so he's working that out, and his guilt and his trauma and his tattered emotional state comes through in the story in so many points in ways that, uh, in new ways that I find and discover every time I watch the episode. Uh, That first moment when Olivia and Walter are talking, Olivia's like, Hey, you and Peter, you have the same last name. Are you related? And Walter's like, oh, no, it's just a coincidence. But I've come to think of him as a son, which is biologically speaking, the relationship Walter and Peter have with one another because Peter's not actually his son. He's Walternate's son. So that leaks in. Uh, That monologue that Peter gives of, I would have died for Walter until I found out the truth about him, about how he's a monster. And that's like how... That's how Walter views the way Peter sees him now. I mean, hell, the entire narrative is centered around Peter literally ripping Walter's heart out. Which is what Peter essentially did with the I am not your son moment. Uh, at like, And is essentially like metaphorically exactly what has happened to Walter now with Peter leaving. Even something as macro as the pattern. The pattern in this universe is Walter directly going into the minds of children, stealing their dreams and replacing them with nightmares. Uh, So Walter literally leaving a pattern of destruction of damaged kids in his wake. And that speaks directly to his larger guilt over his responsibility over the pattern. Because keep in mind, pretty much everything we've seen so far in the pattern is either directly his fault or related to a field of study he was working in and could have very easily made a breakthrough in. So, Walter Bishop is responsible for quite a lot. I would say most, if not all, of the pattern. Walter Bishop is in some way connected to almost everything. 
that we see in this show, or at least everything that we've seen so far in this show. And so even on that, that's like Walter's guilt coming out, and then we get the end of his story when Peter and Olivia confront Walter, take the glass heart back, and you see Walter like begging like, Please, I can change. I can change. I never meant to harm anyone. Uh, Please, like, let me have the heart back. Blah, blah, blah. And in Walter's version, Peter's just like, Nope. Sorry. There's some things you can't undo. And just leaves Walter to die. Which is what he thinks he deserves. But then Ella's like, No, that's not a proper ending. Uh, All stories begin with Once Upon a Time and end with Happily ever after. Here's the real ending. And the real ending is Peter somehow splits the heart in two. And it somehow still works. And they can both live. And everyone's friends again. And everyone's happy. Like just. Oh it's so good and so brilliant. Like this episode. As stupid as it is. Is just such an amazing look. If you look deeply enough. It's such an incredible look into Walter's psyche. It's so fantastic. But then the story ends, Olivia picks Ella up, everything's fine, and then Astrid takes Walter home, and the Observer is watching his home, and he gets on this little radio deal and is like, The boy has not returned, and I do not believe Dr. Bishop remembers my warning. Yes. I am concerned, too. So, something's about to happen on the Peter front that the Observer knows is about to happen and doesn't quite... We don't quite know what it is. We just know something's going to happen on the Peter front very imminently. Let me remind you, we have only three episodes left in this season. Uh, and those three episodes, I mean, this was kind of the last bastion of filler. Now, it's basically just a race to the finish. Now, it's just like, the next episode and the two after that, like, that's just, we're going. Like, we're there. We're, we're going and going and going and going. We're racing to the end of this season, and, uh, oh boy, is it gonna be great. I, uh, I cannot wait till next week when we get to talk about all of that. God, I love this episode. Uh, if you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as we go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's simple. It's just a push of a button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if it feels so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, TomTom4468. And support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark. Pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. If you become a patron, you can also get access to the Television Archive Supplemental, which I'll be putting up there once every month. Or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support this show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, On Monday, we will be discussing Season 2, Episode 20. Talk to you then.